with us, those of you that are joining us online. I want us to read our theme verse. It's found in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. Let's read it together. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. Come on, everybody joining. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land but found no one. This is a passage in the book of Ezekiel where God tells the prophet he looked for someone who would stand. Nobody would stand. And we're believing that God is calling us to be people who will stand. Stand for the things that matter to God. Stand for righteousness. Stand for truth. So I want us to pray. Will you just close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we just pause for a minute to welcome you. And we say, have your way in this place. Speak to every heart. Lord, I pray that when we walk out of this room, we'll leave knowing that the voice of God has spoken truth to us. Lord, we want to stand. So use us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted, amen. You may be seated today. God chooses people to stand. And last week we learned that God wants us to stand for the unborn. In fact, we um, preached on the theme of abortion and what God thinks about a child in the womb. And we spent time on that. And not only that, we made tickets available for a new movie that's coming out called Unplanned. And it's a movie about someone who ran a, a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic and had a transformation in their thinking. And it's the story of that. And so we actually bought out two showings of that movie to be showed tonight at five o'clock at Canyon Country Theater. What was awesome is last weekend, we sold all the tickets. There are no more tickets left. They're all gone. How awesome is that? And so let me just tell you tonight at five o'clock and let me know, let you know, there is no preview. It starts with the movie. So you want to be there on time. So make sure you're there a little bit early. We're going to show those, um, that movie showing in two different theaters. Over 500 people from our church will be there. And then also that I'm going to be sharing some things. The Pregnancy Center will be there to share what they do. And at the end of that showing, we're going to receive an offering to be a blessing to the Pregnancy Center and help, help people who are maybe have an unplanned pregnancy and trying to make decisions in their life concerning life. So um, come and join us. If you didn't get a ticket and you missed out, let me just let you know that there are other showings of the movie available to go see. I believe Canyon Country has a later showing available the same day. In fact, it was released this weekend, and I have good news for you, and that is that it was released, and it was number four on the top movies released over the weekend in America. Isn't that awesome? So come and join us tonight. We learned last week about standing for the unborn. We learned about how we do that. We stand through prayer. We stand through education, right? We stand through generosity and things like that. This weekend, I want to talk to you on another topic. And this weekend, I want to talk to you on the theme, stand for the lost. I want to read to you a verse that Jesus explains why he came. We know that he came as the son of God and he died on a cross to save the world from their sin. Here's one of the ways that Jesus views his purpose for being here on earth. He says it in Luke 19, 10, and he says this. He said, the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus came to find and save lost people. How many here have ever been lost? How many ever had that moment where you realized you were lost? You're like, no, I'm going the wrong way. Here's the crazy thing, is that there was a period of time that you didn't know that you were lost. 
And that's really a great way to describe the condition of our world. Because our world doesn't know that they're lost. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that don't believe, lest the glorious light of the gospel will shine on them. So they don't see it. They don't realize they're lost. And so Jesus' heart is to reach out, to, to find lost people, to open their eyes so that they can see that they're lost and turn to him and be found. In fact, Jesus spends time talking about the lost. Remember, he tells the parable of the lost sheep. And he said, I'll leave the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. And that's as a church, our heart is that we're a, a one, go after the one type of church. Not only that, he tells a story about a coin that was lost in a woman's home. And she literally ripped her house apart trying to find that coin. Look at the length she went to to find what was lost. And then he goes on to tell a parable about a son who was lost called the prodigal son. God's heart in 2 Peter is simply this. It's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to be lost. He wants everyone to be found. And here's what's interesting. Because it's on God's heart to reach the lost, he sent Jesus to, to find and save the lost so that the lost could be found, so that the found could reach more lost people. The goal that Jesus has is not for you to be forgiven so you can get to heaven. It's not to give you smoke insurance and fire insurance for eternity. It's so that you will not just have a great life and have no problems. Because somebody knows a Christian, you're still going to face trials and situations. He saved you so that, what did he say? You could go into the world, you could share the love of Jesus, preach the gospel, and you could make disciples. You could find the lost people Help them find Christ so that they could go out and reach the lost. So the goal as a Christian is to be concerned about finding and saving the lost. Here's what's crazy. This week, I, I had a statistic that was given to me. We had our board of directors come in. While we were there, one of the board of directors shared this statistic. The statistic is this, is that 93%, how many would say that's a pretty high percentage? Wow, some of you, you had a high standard here. All right. It's 100 or nothing, Pastor Gad. Come on, how many say 93% is pretty high? All right. Listen to this. 93% of Christians die and go to heaven never once having shared their faith. Think about that. Jesus died on a cross to save us so that we could go out and reach lost people, and yet 93 3% of Christians are not doing what God has called us to do, which is to reach the lost. We're in a season right now where this is the right time to focus on the lost. Easter has come. And what you may not know is that the majority of people in America say that they would go to church if someone asked them. So what does that mean? Nobody's asking. So today I want to talk to you about how then do we become part of the 7% that share our faith, how do we stand for the lost? Y'all with me? Say amen. All right. So we're going to dive into it. I'm going to give you four ways that you and I can stand for the lost. And we're going to do it by sharing a story in the Bible where Jesus talked to Peter about fishing and about catching fish and catching, being fishers of men. And uh, so I want to give you point number one. If you're writing down notes, write this down. Those of you online can follow along as well. The first way we stand for the lost is to pay attention to your, our surroundings. You need to pay attention to your surroundings. 
Let me give you a little a background. Jesus is now standing on the side of the, the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee. There are people that are crowding around him. He's by the water. They're pressing in. They all want to hear him teach. They all want him to pray for them. And um, he's getting crowded by all these people. They can't all see him. They can't all hear him. So as he's walking down the shore, he sees Simon Peter and he notices something. So let's, let's jump in. Luke chapter 5 verse 2. The Bible says that he, what's the second word? He what? He noticed. He paid attention to his surroundings. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were standing washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. It's interesting because Jesus paid attention to the opportunities that were around him. I think Jesus is always looking for empty boats. In fact, Jesus uses empty boats. Jesus uses available boats. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's just talk about it for a minute. In reading this, commentators have written that there's a probability that Jesus knew that people couldn't hear him and they couldn't see him. So he thought, if I get in the boat, I'll, it was, must have been calm waters that day. If I just go out a little bit in the boat, I'll be far enough back where everyone on the beach can see me. Number two, because of the way a beach is, it's kind of a natural amphitheater. Um, I'll be able to speak and everyone will hear me. In other words, the boat became a vehicle to amplify the love of Jesus. So what Jesus is looking for is people who are available to amplify his message of love to lost people. Y'all with me? You see, he looked at the opportunities that are around him. Can I tell you that there are people that are here today that you may not know it, but when you leave today, or maybe when you're walking out of this church today, or maybe when you go into your office on Monday, or maybe when you show up at the soccer field tonight with your kids for that tournament, or maybe when you show up at the the grocery store line to to get your food, there's going to be opportunities to amplify the love of Jesus if you're paying attention to your surroundings. Come on, y'all with me. In fact, I have a story I shared with you a couple weeks ago about a woman walking through the parking lot. Holy Spirit speaks to her and says, talk to that guy who's sitting in his car. She kept walking and the Holy Spirit said, talk to that guy. And if you missed it, she walks over, finally says, okay, God. And she knocks on the window, open, the guy opens the door. She begins to talk to him, discovers that he's thinking about committing suicide. And she begins to pray for him. And I happen to show up walking through the parking lot. She calls me over and we pray over him, get out of the car and begin to take authority over those spirits of of suicide. And God transformed that man's life that day because someone paid attention to their surroundings. Can I tell you that you never know what God can do in your surroundings, in unexpected places. I'll give you a story. Someone came up to me two weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. And they said, Pastor Jared, you know, I showed up to church with uh, my family and um, as I was showing up, we've been in a season where we've been fasting some things. And normally when worship starts, I'm all into worship. You know, I'm focused on God. And, but as I walked in, I noticed as I was looking in front of me, there was a couple. And they were not getting along at that moment. Come on, any couples know what I'm talking about? <laughs> any couples here not get along at moments? Come on. In the middle of church. 
And so he said, I just kind of noticed and kind of kept trying to worship, but I noticed that it wasn't getting better. It seemed to be getting worse. And the guy got up and walked outside into the lobby and came back in. And, and uh, come on, you all have been there. Come on, you know you're at each other's throat. And then suddenly you pull into the parking lot at church. <laughs> and the door opens. And you're still yelling at each other when someone walks by and you're like, praise the Lord, God bless you this morning. <laughs> come on, anybody been there? And you're like holding each other's hands, squeezing as tight as you can, walking through the lobby. Praise God. God bless you. Good to see you. <laughs> Come on, we've all been there. And so he said, I was watching and it didn't seem like it was getting better. In fact, at one point, the, the wife grabbed the keys out of the purse and kind of threw them. And he grabbed them like he was taken off. And suddenly something inside of me said, oh, no, you don't. And he said, so the guy's walking out to his car and I follow him to his car. And the guy's like, what's going on? And I'm like, sir, don't, you know, please, I'm not, I'm not trying to stalk you. I just, I feel prompted. And he said, I went out there and I began to talk to him. And he was out on the ledge. Come on, anybody ever been out on a ledge? <laughs> he said, but we began to talk. And I suddenly, it's like he got off the ledge. And things began to calm down. We began to talk. And then suddenly the wife came out. And she wasn't off the ledge yet. She was still on it. So suddenly bombs started exploding and things kind of escalated a little bit and I'm caught in the middle and said, but I began to talk to them. And next thing you know, as we began to talk, things settled down a little bit. And I said, can I pray with you guys? And suddenly I began to pray and we pray with each other. And instead of getting in the car, I said, hey, you know, you guys came to hear a message from God. Why don't you come back in? And they came back in and they were in church. In fact, that couple may be here today, and I'm so thankful if you're here today. I'm so thankful you came back into church if you did. But you know what? Isn't it amazing what God can do in unexpected places like church? <laughs> if you just pay attention to your surroundings. My question for you this morning is, is your boat available? Is your boat available? Because if your boat is available, I have a feeling that God will send you into waters where other boats may not be, that God could use you. We're in a season right now where God wants to bring in a harvest. Easter is here to tell the story that Jesus didn't just die, but he rose again. Is your boat available? Pay attention to your surroundings. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Point number two, if we're going to stand for the lost, number two, we got to get rid of our excuses. I want to encourage you to get rid of your excuses. I want to read to you what happens. Jesus tells Peter, get in the boat. Simon, get in the boat. And so they get in the boat. And it tells us that he wasn't in the boat. He was outside the boat on the side of the shore. It says the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into deep waters or into the water. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon... Now, come on, let's go into the deeper water and let down your nets to catch some fish. And now you can see the excuses begin. Simon begins, Master! Come on, how many have ever had some kids start a conversation like that? Dad! Mom! You, we worked all night. All last night we were working. And didn't catch anything. Come on, have you ever had your kids do an excuse and they can't keep their arms still when they're doing it? <laughs> the whole night. <laughs> it's like you can't help yourself. 
But if you say so, I'll let down my nets. It's interesting because as soon as Jesus calls him into the boat, and can I tell you, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus wants us to get back into the boat. I believe there's there's a lot of Christians who've left the boat. 93% of them, by the way, haven't been in the boat for a long time. In fact, could I ask you a question? Have you ever, or let me start with, when was the last time you brought someone to church? Or how about this one? Have you ever brought someone to church? I think Jesus is calling people back into the boat. Jesus wants us, and he says, Peter, hey, get back in the boat. But Peter didn't say, no, no, I'm not in the boat. And here's why, because we all have excuses. And I'm going to give you some excuses that we have why we don't get in the boat, why we don't bring people to church, why we don't share our faith. Let me give you the first one. The first one is this. Excuse number one is, well, I, I have more important things to do, Jesus. Because here's what happened. Jesus walks up, and where is Peter? He's not in the boat. What is he doing? He's on the side of the boat, standing on the shore, Washing his nets. I've got, Jesus, I would like to get out there, but I've got things I've got to do. There's, there's, you know, a good fisherman, when he's done fishing, he's got to bring the nets in. He's got to clean them. Because if you don't, you get seaweed and algae on there, and it begins to rot, and you get mold, and then you've got to buy new nets, and I'm not being a good steward, and I've got to be a good steward. And, and so, God, I've got things I've got to do. This is important. And you know, as I begin to think about it, I begin to realize how many Christians are like Peter. Jesus is like, come on, let's get in the boat. Why don't you go share the love of Christ with somebody? Why don't you amplify my message? Why don't you invite someone to church? Well, Jesus, I I can. I'm I'm busy. You see, I became a Christian, and now I need to clean the nets. You see, I just bought this book by Beth Moore, and I'm learning how to be cleansed and have inner healing. (laughs) And I just joined that group. It's called Celebrate Freedom because I've got some baggage in my life, and I need to get rid of that baggage, and I need to be more like you, Jesus. So I get focused and here's the reality is we get so focused on trying to be perfect and getting rid of all of our problems and, and look shiny and white and beautiful and Lord I'm going to be clean and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to learn how to do this and Jesus said hey that's great I want you to be like me but what I really want you to do is get in the boat and let the Holy Spirit make you like me there's nothing wrong with cleaning nets but I'm, I'm saddened to feel that the majority, about 93% of Christians, once they get saved, all they can think about is, how can I get that Dave Ramsey book and be better at my stewardship? And if, you know, if I watch the O Network (laughs) and I buy that book from John Bevere, and what we end up doing is we come up with all these excuses And here's the sad thing is we become self-centered. Jesus make me better. Jesus make me more wealthy so I can be generous. When Jesus is saying, listen, I'm glad that you got saved. I'm glad that you've been forgiven. But you know what? Don't let the excuses keep you out of the boat. Because I've called you to be fishers of men. Come on, you all with me? You know, the second excuse that's interesting in the story is, excuse number two is, I'm too burned out. Jesus, it was all night long. 
all night, all night, all night. It was all night long. God, I, because here's the thing, we all do that too. Well, God, I would love to, but Pastor Jared, I already worked in kids ministry because my kids were little and I did it because that's what you do. And I was supposed to join for a year and I, it's been six years I was in children's ministry. <laughs> I, I've already paid my dues. I've, I've already done my part. I, I've given enough. I, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Let somebody else do the job. I can't catch the fish right now because I'm too tired. I mean, I've been working on these nets and I've been serving. I, was in, I did all kinds of ushing. I did all kinds of greeting. I did all kinds of stuff. And I'm tired. It's just, it's just too much. Can, can I just maybe give you a thought? Maybe what Jesus is saying is, don't let your fatigue destroy your compassion. Don't let your fatigue destroy your compassion because his heart is that none should perish. I'll never forget someone told me one day as I was talking to them and sharing my faith with them. They weren't a believer. They actually were attending the church, but they hadn't made a decision to follow Christ, but they were coming. And so I went out to lunch with them and I said, hey, you know, I just want to talk to you. And I started by saying, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want you to get upset with me for bringing this topic up, but I, I want to just know kind of where you stand in your relationship with God. And, and I began to share on it. And finally they stopped me and they said, hey, don't ever feel bad for asking me about my faith and where I stand in my relationship with Christ because here's the thing if you really believe what you say you believe heaven or hell life or death then then if you didn't ask me I would question if you even really care about me And I just wonder if that's kind of the mindset that as Christians have. We're just so focused on, well, I'm tired. I already did my duty. I already did some machine. I already helped with the safety team. I already been working on getting things cleaned up in my life. And Jesus is saying, that's great. I'm thankful that you're serving. I, I, I'm thankful that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to, to begin to change and renew your thinking like the mind of Christ. But I need you in the boat. Because the only way the world can be saved, the only way that fish can be caught, is with fishermen. Can I tell you, some people look at pastor, pastors and think that it's our job to catch fish. Can I tell you, it's not my job to catch fish. If you look at the scriptures, the Bible teaches us in the book of Ephesians that God gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the five-fold gift. He gave them to the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Because here's the thing, I only have one boat. But there are thousands of fishermen boats in our church that are going to go into waters that I'll never go to. And my job is to teach you how to fish. What's sad is that in the church in America, 93% of the church have never gone fishing. And so what God is saying is, let's not have any excuses anymore. Simon, uh, no more excuses. Let me give you the third one. Here's the third one we have. Excuse number three is, we already tried that. I was out there already, and I did it, and nothing happened. Pastor Jared, I invited my neighbor to Easter last year, and we even had a giraffe, and they didn't come. <laughs> I tried it before, and it just didn't work. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try it again. Can I just stop for a second and say, never be saddened or feel regret for planting a seed. Because it's not your job to grow the seed. In fact, only God can grow the seed. I had someone tell me between services, they said that the interesting thing about a poppy seed is that it'll go into the ground and it'll lie dormant for years until the soil is in the perfect condition and suddenly it'll sprout and it'll grow. You never know what God is setting up. You never know what's growing below the surface. You never know what God is doing. The problem is the Bible says that Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. God is the one that grows the seed. The problem is, is that God has nothing in the ground to grow because we've been so busy well I'm going to take that series on being a great parent we get so busy with all of our excuses and what Jesus is saying get in the boat Jesus is looking for an available boat of someone who will care for the lost. Y'all with me? Say amen. So pay attention to your surroundings. Get rid of your excuses. And I want to give you point number three. Bring your nets with you. Bring your nets with you. It's interesting because this part of the story we miss when we read through. And if you think about it, it's pretty interesting. Because Jesus tells Peter, tells Peter get in the boat and, and let's go out into the water. And so they get in the boat, and when they're out there, and Jesus is done teaching, then he tells Peter, let's go out a little deeper and throw your nets out into the water. And Peter says, I've already tried that. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. And so they get out there, and what happens? He says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now watch what happens. He let the nets down into the water, and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear my question was, where'd the nets come from? If he was outside of the boat washing the nets, then what's not in the story that happened was that when he got into the boat, he brought his net with him. Now, why is that important? Because here's the thing you need to understand. Everyone in this room, God has given you a net. For some of you, your net, what is a net? It's a thing that will catch and, and attract and pull something in, right? And so God is wanting to give you, he's giving you gifts and talents and abilities. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So you've been given nets. The problem is, is that we get into the boat, but we're not using our net. What's your net? Maybe for you, you're relational. I was just talking after the first service to someone who's relational. I almost missed it making back in to preach because they were so relational. <laughs> And I kept saying, thank you, thank you, but I, I got to, yeah, oh yeah, I know, but let me tell you about it. Come on, how many of you, come, some of you, you can talk to anyone, anywhere, forever. Come on, how many of you say amen? Some of you got a net, it's called relational. You're relational. People feel at ease with you. Some of you, you got a, a net, and you know what that net is, is that, that you have a gift to teach. And you're great with kids, you're great with leading a circle. Some of you, you got a net, you know what your net is? It's hospitality. When people come to your house, they feel welcome and loved. 
Some of you, your net is that you can cook like nobody's business, some enchiladas and tacos, chimichangas, rice and frijoles. Come on, we're going to your house after church, amen. (laughs) You see, we've been given nets, but the problem is, is too often we don't bring our nets into the boat. We don't realize that what we've been given has been given to us to use. Did you know that God can use your gift at making snacks for the soccer team? Come on, how many know some moms are good at the snack thing? They just got the Holy Ghost snack gift. It's an anointing for snacks. Come on, it ain't Costco. It's coming out of the kitchen and everybody's excited when they have snack day. But you know that God can use you, whether it's on the soccer field or on the job or in the middle of a service. God has given you a gift and he's looking for people who say, I'll, I'll get back in the boat and I'll use what I've been given. Maybe it's that smile. Maybe it's that generous heart. I'm telling you, God can use you in unusual places if you'll bring your nets with you. I'll never forget, we were just starting Higher Vision Church how many of you were with us when we started and we were in Castaic Elementary School? If that's you, lift your hand high. All right, we have a couple there. Okay, all the way back there. Over here, we have a few hands. Remember those days? Okay, we were in this, it was elementary school and it was what's called a cafetorium. <laughs> which smelled more like a cafeteria than an auditorium. Come on, how many you know what I'm talking about? All you could smell were chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and sweat all mixed together. Come on, it's good stuff right there. And so we met in this cafeteria, and what, but what happened was, is with this small group of people, 50 people, I mean, we went all in. We had a, a 30-foot tra- or a trailer, and we had another big 20-foot box truck, and we came loading in like we are doing a concert with Rascal Flats or something. I mean, we were setting up stages and backdrops and screens, and we had, we had uh, donut um, counters, and, and we had signs everywhere, and we had set up stuff for kids, play stuff. I mean, it was like we were going all in, and I'll never forget, this tall, blonde guy comes walking into church one week and he's standing there and he's just kind of looking around like what have I got myself into and kind of has his hands locked right here you can usually tell the visitors that never been in a charismatic church before (laughs) so they get into position and ain't nothing gonna move their arms because he was you know he's a little uncomfortable he's looking around and people are singing and so after the service he smiles and he comes up to me and miraculously it was like his arm opened up and and he reached out and he grabbed my hand he shook my hand and he smiled and he said you know what could we go to coffee and I'm like absolutely and so we go to coffee and we've sat down the first thing he says he's like man I gotta tell you man that little church you have there I don't know what happens but when you guys do that singing thing that's what he called our worship time (laughs) he said when you do that singing thing He said, I don't know why, but my eyes just kept tearing up. I I felt like I was going to cry. What is going on? And then we began to talk and he said, you know, I, I understand what it takes to do a production. I, I worked for Disneyland. I've, I built rides at Disneyland. I, I know what it is to put on an event. And I got to tell you, walking into that little place with 50 people and the effort that you went into, I kept thinking in my mind, Ma, man, these people must really care and believe in what they're doing to go to all this effort for me. 
so we began to talk and he came back the next week, came back the next week, is, raised his hand and accepted Jesus. His kids raised their hands and accepted Jesus. Her wife, who was already a Christian, she was so happy, started serving, came on staff. And now guess what? He didn't just get saved and start cleaning his nets, but he decided to get in the boat and bring his net with him. And so for the last three years, actually started 12 years ago or 10 years ago when him and I sat down in this center dreaming and began to use all his gifts and talents to help us build KidVenture. Because he built Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and he built Toontown. And he built all of these rides for Disneyland. He said, if we can do it for Disneyland, why can't we do it for the church? And we're about ready to open a building where kids are going to live out their ventures for God. Why? Because someone didn't have excuses. Someone said, I'm going to bring my talents. I'm going to bring my net. I'm going to get into the boat. And I'm going to let God use it to attract people to hear the love of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. So bring your nets. And lastly, write this down. Think outside the box. I mean, think outside. I'm sorry. Think outside the bun. I mean, wait, think outside. Come on, some of you are hungry. You're thinking of Jack in the Box right now when you saw that. Think outside the boat. Think outside the boat. It's interesting because when he gets in the boat and he fits, finished speaking, watch what the scriptures say. When he had finished speaking, he says to Simon, now... Let's go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. In other words, let's go into new territory. Let's think outside the boat. Let's not stay where we are. Let's move a little deeper. Let's go a little farther. In other words, you can't stay where you are. You need to think differently. And one of the things that we can do if we're going to stand for the lost is realize that God is looking for some people who will think a little differently. It's one of the things that that I, as I travel and preach to pastors on church planting and on church growth, I was just in Kentucky with about 14 or 15 pastors there. And we were talking about how to grow their churches. And one of the things that I shared with them is a principle that, that we do here, that we think about here, that we're always trying to think outside the boat. So, I mean, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jared? Well, the reality is this, the only way to catch fish is to get fishermen into the boat, into the water so that they can catch some fish. So in other words, the only way the church is going to grow, the only way people are going to get saved is if you bring people to God's house where they hear the truth and find freedom. Of course, you can share your faith wherever you go, but how many know there's something about being in an atmosphere where the presence of the Lord is, where the truth is being spoken, where hearts sometimes are opened on another level and the seed can be planted? The problem is, is that most of the time we keep throwing our nets in the same water. Remember the story of, of Peter? After Jesus died and he rose again, he appeared to the disciples and he said, hey guys, I'm going to meet you at Galilee where that fishing miracle happened. And so Peter, when he gets to Galilee and Jesus is not there, what does he do? He reverts to his old way of thinking because God had said, I want you to leave fishing and follow the, the, the calling of fishing men. But he goes back to his old way of thinking. He ends up back out in the boat again. And what happens? He throws the net into the water and doesn't catch anything. And suddenly Jesus shows up at the shore and he goes, hey, did you catch anything? Peter didn't recognize him and said, no. And Jesus goes, well, you need to think outside the boat. Why don't you throw the net into the new water. 
throw it on the other side. So he threw the net on the other side and suddenly the net was filled with fish. Immediately he remembered, wait a minute, I serve a God who wants me to think outside the boat. And he jumps in the water and he swims to see Jesus. And the reality is what you may not know is as a church, as a pastor, one of the things that we're always praying is saying, God, give us ways to think outside the boat, to help you get excited about getting into the boat and throwing your nets into new waters. I'll give you an example. Last weekend was an example of us helping you throw your nets outside the boat in new water. By preaching on standing for the unborn, there were lots of visitors that walked into this church. Lots of people were able to invite people either to this service or to the movie tonight. And guess what? That's an area you would have never thrown water, your, your nets into. You would have never taken your boat into those waters. But because we thought outside the boat, now guess what? We had people showing up who have gone through abortions, who are thinking about what to do with an unplanned pregnancy, who are, are addressing issues. And now suddenly you're able to invite people and bring them in life are being changed that were never being changed before. Why? Because sometimes what we've got to do is think outside the boat. That's why at Easter two years ago, I got literally people online talking about our church and about me and how unbiblical and how unrighteous we were because we were going to have an elephant on our campus. And it wasn't even Dumbo. Why did we do that? Because we thought maybe we could give you an opportunity to throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Because maybe someone wouldn't come because Jesus dies and rose again. Because there's a lot of people out there that don't want to come because they've heard that story before. But maybe they would come to see an elephant. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds did. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds got saved because we were willing to think outside the boat. Come on, y'all with me, say amen. Why are we relieving debt? Do you realize we're working with a nonprofit organization that for every dollar we give, it, it helps relieve $100 worth of debt. So we're believing that by you getting people here, we're going to see over a million dollars of debt relief. There are people that might come to church that would never come for just a normal service. Now, we're going to have the Easter egg hunt. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to talk about Jesus and all that's going to happen. But you might have people that will come because they know that by showing up, they're helping someone practically to get out from under the, the load of debt. I want to tell you something. God is looking for some people who say, I'll think outside the boat. Maybe it's on my social media. Maybe it's a, a friend that I hang out with on Thursdays at work because everybody else has gone to some meeting. I'm going to reach out to whoever it is on the soccer field or at that Starbucks that I go to and that guy that sits in the corner and we say hi to everybody every week. And maybe this time, this year, I'm going to get back in the boat. I'm going to quit using my excuses. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I don't want to show up and see Jesus and have him open his arms and say, welcome. Who did you bring with you? Well, well, wait, wait, but I, I made it. I mean, it's by the skin of my teeth, but I made it. You don't know how hard it is down there, Jesus. I mean, to be a Christian in the culture we live in, I made it. I know I'm so excited you made it, but who, who did you bring with you? Well, well I didn't have time, Jesus. <laughs> I was really working hard with my net. I said, I'm really a lot cleaner. I, 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 the baggage, a lot of it's gone. 
It only comes out when I'm driving. Okay, but who, who did you bring with you? I really believe that that's the question that matters. Who are you going to bring with you for what you have freely received? Freely give. Easter's coming. And my heart that you'd become a fisherman again or maybe become one for the first time because that's why you're here. The work of the ministry is to win people that are lost, to find those who are lost so they can be saved and they can be changed. No more excuses, God. Pastor, I've tried it, and it didn't work. Could I, could I propose one thing as we end this service? When I read the story, here's what it says to me. Jesus says, hey, why don't you get in the boat and go out there and throw out that net again? And he says, but I tried, and it didn't work, or I'm tired, or I'm busy doing other things. And, and it's almost as if what Jesus is saying is like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, but could we just try one more time. Just, just one more time. And could, could it be, because if you read the story, let's go back to Luke, if you read the story, he goes out one more time and he throws the net into new water and that one time, what happened? The Bible says that the, the nets began to fill up with fish, so much fish, so many fish that there was nothing that they could do other than a shout for help brought their partners in other boats. And if you read the story, boats began coming and putting their nets in the water. And suddenly, it wasn't just one boat of fish. It was two boats of fish and five boats of fish. Could the breakthrough, could revival, could an outpouring of God's salvation and transformation just be on the other side of one more time getting in the boat? One more time throwing out the net. One more time saying... I'm going to get rid of my excuses. And I'm going to go all in. I believe maybe that person you've prayed for for 20 years could be on the other side of one more time. So for me, I'm not going to let my fear, well, I'm not very good with people. I can't do a circle. I'm kind of quiet. Well, the good news is you don't even have to do it. You just read the paper. You can literally just read what's on the paper, hit play, and I'll do communion for you on your phone. And I'll give an altar call. I just, I don't know what I can do, but I just want to get you in the boat so bad. Because I hear the stories over and over and over and over and over again of lives that have been changed forever because someone was willing to get in the boat to bring their net and to see the miracle.